Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 56 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, desperate to escape from the escape room hole that I've trapped myself in. <laughs> how are you? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Um, are you alluding to last week's um, escape room mishap? I am, but I've got more to say on that in the fullness of time. I see. <laughs> okay. How has your week been? It's been okay. It's been okay. Uh, for date stamp purposes, Mitch, we are recording super early on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is the earliest I've ever gotten up to record. Yep, thanks for my coffee. Uh, oh, much appreciated. I feel like it's energising me to get through this. Mm-hmm. Same, <laughs> same. Yeah, no, this is, like, I got up at quarter to seven this morning to come across for Good this. God. I know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, I am also doing fine. Uh, what have you been watching this week? <laughs> well, last week I watched not Adam Robitel's Escape Room. Another escape room. Uh, yeah, there are many, we're told. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this week I watched Adam Robitel's Escape Room. Oh, excellent. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. Okay, I missed this in cinemas. It does look like something that I thought I would quite enjoy. What did you make of it? Do you know, I think you will like it. Oh, really? <laughs> what I will say is, is it's very, very silly. Okay. Extremely convoluted. Mm-hmm. With uh, you so far. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly complicated mm-hmm. traps and escape room yes. things. Excellent. Do you know, uh, it's all right. Am I going to like this more than I liked Cube, do you think? I think you will like it more than you liked Cube because it's got its more contemporary feeling. Yay! Uh, New and dumb. New uh, and dumb. (laughs) It's very, very dumb. I'd say the last five minutes are extremely dumb. This sounds like fun. This sounds like something I would enjoy right enough. So... Where are you with this then? Obviously you've acknowledged that it's like, it's not a film to be taken particularly seriously. On that level, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. Cool. Uh, the acting's not great, although I will say Tyler Labine's in here and I absolutely love him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's too stupid okay. to okay. be effective. Right, right. The scale of it all is so mind-bogglingly daft. <laughs> that, <laughs> is it one of those how can you afford these things type situations? Kind of. I mean, there is a... I'm, I don't know if I'm spoiling anything here, but I mean, ultimately I don't give a fuck. Okay. But uh, there, are, there is a shadowy organisation at the heart of it all. Um, and a kind of gambling syndicate element. Right, okay, okay. It reels its head in, the, in Act 3. This sounds oh, very man. promising, this sounds very promising. It's fucking cuckoo, uh, really. Um, where are you and Adam Robitel's stuff in general up to now? Meh. I'm kind of the same. I, I, I really like The Taking. I think right, The yeah. Taking is really good. I was very cold on Insidious Last Key. <laughs> I think a lot of people will. So yeah, so I, I think that, like um I, I'm at a point with him where I am intrigued to see what he does, but I'm also just kind of because he also co-wrote Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension, which I despise. Yeah, it's terrible as well. Um, but uh, but I like the taking of Deborah Logan enough that I kind of follow what he does with mm-hmm. interest. I don't think this is better than Deborah Logan. Okay. It's better than Peter Dukes's Escape Room that we talked about last week, mm-hmm. and okay. it is quite a fun spectacle. 
Yeah, but it's so fucking daft. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, I mean, I can get, I can get, I can get on board with that by the sound of it. Uh, this one, if anyone doesn't know, is about six strangers who are brought together. Um, they receive a box in the mail. Yes. Um, and when they solve the puzzle, they are given an address to go to and to take part in this escape room. Where That's kind of the setup of Fermat's room. Well, right. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, you, which, which you very much like. I was going to say, which I feel like I talk yeah. about on a weekly basis Yeah, now. You're, you're on board for this. Yeah. I can tell. So yeah, the, the winner of the escape room will win $10,000. Okay. Uh, okay. So they all go along and carnage ensues. Mm-hmm. But right. everything is on such an enormous scale. Like One room's kind of like a giant oven. Uh, one room uh, is like an outside frozen lake uh, mountains in the background giant screen type scenario it's super daft and the kind of MacGuffin part of the story the the why of it all doesn't really matter okay yeah no (laughs) I have a feeling it might not yeah it's very daft very dumb but do you know I had an alright time watching it good stuff Um, (laughs) anything else this week at all yeah I watched uh, what I believe to be the last two episodes of what we do in the shadows oh yeah okay okay I haven't seen any more of that since I first talked about it. How'd you find them? Pretty good. Yep. Pretty good. Episode 5 has uh, Matt Berry's Laszlo captured by animal services when he's a bat and <laughs> they have to rescue him. Uh, it's very funny. And Doug Jones's Baron Afanas gets quite a lot of screen time in the sixth episode. Oh, nice. Okay, uh, cool. And he is very, very silly. Good, good. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm still enjoying it. Still enjoying it. The last episode seemed quite short, though. Could be a time flies when you're having fun situation. It could be. could very much be that. But yeah, season two has been commissioned. Oh, that's good news. But if anyone is craving more of the extended What We Do in the Shadows universe, do your best to try and get your hands on Wellington Paranormal. Yeah, Wellington Paranormal is so, so funny. I think it's- I I love Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great. I only have one this week. Okay. Uh, and it's a new release. Oh, were you at the cinema? Got myself out to the cinema yesterday. Want to see Ma. Ah, Blumhouse's Ma. Yeah, so um, directed by Tate Taylor here, teaming up once again with Octavia Spencer. Tate. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, teaming up with Octavia Spencer, which they did previously on The Help. Yeah. This is, so basically for anyone that doesn't know, what you have here is uh, this bunch of high school kids, uh, one of whom is kind of a newcomer, mm-hmm. and uh, her mom is played by Juliette Lewis. They move back to uh, the mom's hometown. Uh, she goes to school, kind of makes these friends. They are looking to kind of just, they're just looking for places to hang out, somebody to buy them beer, all this kind of thing. <laughs> right. Enter Suan, played by Octavia Spencer. Ma. So she kind of helps them out, buys them booze and stuff like that, gives them a place to party because they start going and basically hanging out in her basement. Right. And getting drunk in her basement and having parties in her basement and stuff. And she just kind of ticks along. But she kind of like, she's kind of gives off kind of fairly uncomfortable vibes from the <laughs> off. And obviously that just escalates as it goes on. This is pretty good. I think Octavia Spencer is brilliant. Right. Yeah. And I think she that. generally is. Yeah. And I, th- and, I, but I, and I think that honestly, on second watch, I'll probably think that Octavia Spencer being this good in this hides a multitude of sins. <laughs> but but in the moment I thought it was quite fun there's some really nasty stuff towards right. the end like the third act is surprisingly grimy I would say in a way that I, in, a, in a way that I really got on board with the actual ending itself is a little silly I always think that these things kind of end up resolve or these kinds of stories often end up resolving themselves in kind of like ridiculously grand style and I would say that that's probably true here okay but um but I enjoyed it I would recommend it it's a it's a it's an easy watch for if you if like if you like that sort of thing the kind of uh, it's like it's kind of like the the kind of growing obsession thing reminded me a little bit of one hour photo except this is much trashier all right okay um but but it's worth it just to see Octavia Spencer just really getting quite a lot of room to kind of go crazy a little bit cool. in ways that you don't generally see her do so I'd recommend it a lot I thought it was really good 
Okay, brilliant. Ma, go and see it. It's in cinemas now, I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, before it gets kind of uh, shut out by all of the blockbusters that are coming in the next uh, little while. Get it caught, because its <laughs> lifespan is probably quite short. Yeah. Um, so I say that I watched one. I, of course, watched another thing this week. Ah! Yeah, I got one more in the can. What was it? Uh, the Brood. Oh, oh. Yeah. David Cronenberg's The Brood. David Cronenberg's The Brood. <sighs> yeah. I'll be still my beating heart. Yeah, I liked it plenty, unsurprisingly. Cronenberg's another one that I am kind of under... Exposed. Underexposed to, thank you. Yeah, um, I yeah, it's kind of nonsense, a little of the stuff that I've seen. Right. And the stuff that I have seen is kind of weird. <laughs> so you're talking, you've seen things like, uh, like A Dangerous Method? Yeah, the ones I've seen are generally like, are either, are often not the particularly horror kind of ones. Right, so um, like Cosmopolis, things yes, like that. Yes, I've seen Cosmopolis, which right. I did not particularly like. Okay. Um, but I've seen Spider, which I thought was awesome. Uh, I've now seen uh, The Brood, and uh, we've seen The Fly, and I've seen History of Violence. Right, okay. So I've seen, I've, and now I think about it, I've seen a fair few of his films, but not the ones that would generally figure in these kinds of conversations. Right, I'm going to need to get you sat down with Shivers and with Rabid and with Scannels. And... Yeah, I think that, like, yeah, this is, these are the things that I need to um, I need to go for next. But uh, yeah, The Brood, I mean, I really liked it. It was like, what's not to like? True, true. I absolutely agree. I think The Brood is amazing. And just always nice to see Oliver Reed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anything he's fucking mad um, <laughs> I am going to try and do a scoreboard check on the Shockwaves 100 for next sure, week sure I think you've got to be pushing 80 by now I think that got I must be, be in shouting distance of 80 yeah um, I, basically what I need to double check is because I know I said that I was going to rewatch the ones that I'd seen before Right. I need to double check which ones of those I've done for this purpose. So I have to I have to do a fairly boring admin task at some point this week where I listen back to this section of all the old minisodes to double check which ones I've watched. And I'm going to put together a list and cross check it with a full list and see how many, see what I actually still have to watch. And be shamed, of course, <laughs> because like I say, I think that I'm pretty much in straight first watch territory from here on out, and uh, that will result in me making some glaring confessions, even by my standards, for things that I haven't seen. There are a few in there that uh, I'm still gobsmacked at yep. but this is an adventure this is a journey it's a learning experience for you Mitch and I'm glad to be here with you for yes it. and hopefully everybody else is as well hopefully everybody else isn't just absolutely sick of this section everyone's banging their heads against the wall yeah I think everybody <laughs> just wants me to be like I took a week off work and watched 19 and now I'm done <laughs> what a long strange trip it's been <laughs> <laughs> through films I should have seen. Yeah, um, but yeah, so another one down, another one in the bag, which I'm gonna, which I'm pleased about. Fair enough. So I've got the streak going again as well because I'm, it's been a while since I haven't done one apart from when I got when I omened myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. It's feedback time, and quite a few of you getting in touch this week. So big thank you for that. Always nice to hear from you. And I guess that we should kick this segment off by saying a big thank you to the returning Graham Skipper. Yes, always lovely to have Graham on. Yeah. Um. So he was talking Hellraiser Bloodline, which was a lot of fun, <laughs> and a lot of you getting in touch to talk about that. Also, um, him and uh, Patrick Reynolds. Oh, they've got a bit of a shit slinging match. Yeah. There was um. Uh, there was there was some Twitter beef going on. Yeah, uh, yeah, off the were... back of because uh, obviously you may remember Patrick from our episode on Fright Night very recently. Yes. And yeah, him and Graham Skipper started uh, having a little bit of a Twitter back and forth, which basically means that they, it seems like they want to use this as a platform to argue for the merits or otherwise of Attack of the Clones. (laughs) I'm afraid I I cannot stand in defense of Attack of the Clones. But I mean, uh, they were were both pretty, uh, they were both pretty vehement in uh, wanting to get this going, so... Yeah, they were bumping their cyber chests. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, flexing their digital muscle. Yeah, a lot of keyboard gangsterism going yeah. on. 
uh, right. A I'm, lot of gift play. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so some very shady gift throwing going on. I'm going to open it up the floor to you guys on this one. Would you like to hear Graham Skipper, Patrick Reynolds, and us talking about Attack of the Clones, or does that sound terrible? Let us know. <laughs> But on the subject of Graham and Graham's episode, a fair amount of people are getting in touch to talk Hellraiser Bloodline with us. Yes. This week. Uh, first off, Gorehound on Twitter at Zombie Slew. Uh, writing to work and straight on to Strong Violent PC episode 56 in Defense of Bloodline with Graham Skipper. Damn it, I'm going to have to give it a watch now after listening, but if you've tricked me again, I swear your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you a McIntyre doubler here. Oh, okay. Yeah, kicking off with Lauren McIntyre. Okay, Dr. Lauren. At Nodding Goth. Okay, so Hellraiser Bloodline wasn't as bad as I remembered. I think a lot of people will find that to be the case. I think on revisit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to surprise a lot of people. Yep. First act, actually quite enjoyable, wanes substantially throughout the second act, and more through the third. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound like a particularly great review. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're having a horrible time, an incrementally worse time. Yeah, and uh, she uh, she says, as you can see though, Harry, who was not impressed at all, Harry appears to be a cat who is also watching uh, Elder's a Bloodline, and may in fact be asleep. Okay, fair play. Uh, Ross McIntyre at Sane underscore man. Now, I'm just going to quickly preface this tweet by saying, after speaking to Graham, last night I went back and watched Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth. Uh-huh. And I, I'm afraid I have to come down on Graham's side. Um, Bloodline is better than Hellraiser 3. Okay. Pinhead is a laughing, gunning idiot. <laughs> okay. And Hellraiser 3. Get off that fence, Andy Stewart, say what you really think. <laughs> but Ross McIntyre says, After double-belling Hellraiser 3 and Bloodline, I have settled on the fact that 3 is about as enjoyable as a cup of boiled vomit. I see. Having, <laughs> having never imbibed, I can comment. <laughs> Bloodline, however, is great. It was just as good as memory recalled. Any thoughts on Scarlet Gospels? Um, I have read Scarlet Gospels. I think it's one of Clive Barker's better books over the past few years. I would quite like to see some kind of version of Scarlet Gospels on the screen. I would like to see Scott Bakula and Doug Bradley doing the battle. (laughs) But... I don't think you'll ever see a movie version of Scarlet Gospels or anything close. Right, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, just, just kind of thinking that Clive Barker stuff's been getting a reasonable amount of airtime on the show, hasn't it? Yeah, actually, yeah. 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 Through- Obviously, Rawhead, Rex, Lord of Illusions... And now there is a bloodline. Yeah, 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 yeah. decent whack. Uh, the Shake Seventy Two on uh, Twitter getting in touch. Uh, he's attached a picture of a Lego pinhead. <laughs> okay. Um, and he said, "So I told fake Lego pinhead about the upcoming strong, violent PC Graham Skipper Bloodline episode, and he's forcing me to watch all the sequels again. I have such shite to show you," he said. <laughs> Prayed <laughs> for that. Uh, he actually got in touch again and said, if nothing else, I hope Strong Violent PC touch on the comic book lore that gets into Hellraiser Bloodline and also how good the character of Angelique could have been. There's somebody on YouTube doing a longer cut from rushes and animations, which is quite interesting. That might be this. Um, Would this possibly the this work kind print? of work print that That's we're hearing about? Around, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, to answer your question, ref the comic book lore. Sorry, we did not do that. <laughs> And Angelique's quite a cool character anyway, but if there's a greater kind of depth to Angelique that we perhaps could have seen, I would be interested in seeing that. Yeah, same, yeah. same. You got anything else on Bloodline? Um, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, I'm actually going to rocket through three tweets back to back. Okay, which... you go for it, you go for it. Just uh, quickly want to thank Frightfest mm, yeah. for dropping out a little tweet, uh, encouraging people to come along and listen to the episode. This, really appreciated, uh, yeah. Yeah, make sure you check out the latest episode of Strong Violent PC with special guest Graham Skipper. They take a very entertaining dive into the 
world of Hellraiser Bloodline. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Mm. Stevie, uh, film fan Stevie, a double man, Our man on the ground. <laughs> After listening to the latest episode, I need to watch Hellraiser 4 now. I've only seen the first three films, so in a way, I'm a Mitch for the Hellraiser franchise. <laughs> God forbid. Yeah, well, I mean, you're still better off than me. I've only seen one four, so... Um... Hang on. Those films that Stevie hasn't seen. I mean, I think that I think that the remaining films in the Hellraiser franchise are the only films that Stevie hasn't seen. I kind of understandable. <laughs> <laughs> but something's not worth your time. It's not worth your time. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, Stevie, I've I've never met a man with such an appetite for uh, cinema. Not at all, Stevie. Again. Oh, cool. As Watchfires, Mitch has finally watched the proper Omen film. <laughs> the yes. proper one got there got there eventually <laughs> <laughs> any plans on Mitch watching the other two films from the trilogy um, quite, quite possibly quite possibly I did really like it and um, regardless of how it goes quality wise after that I'm not sure I would probably be interested to see where it goes next the question is when as it is with everything like um, spend so much time watching stuff for this one way or another that I would like to get around to them but there's a lot of things that I'd really like to get around to but, <laughs> but I, I'm going to say oh, I, I really hate it when people are like oh it's on the list because I don't have a list I've just got a, like a massive amorphous mess kind of, of films out in the ether that yeah, I want to see a weird kind of cloud of titles yeah. actually Tony Constantino replied to Stevie's tweet there oh yeah just saying I used to have a DVD set that included made for TV craptacular Omen 4 The Awakening but let's just pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, one more on Bloodline from me, and that was at Shan Loves Horror. That's Shannon Sprout on Twitter. Uh, she just said, I must listen to this. There's not enough talk about Bloodline. Honestly, it's the one that I've seen the most. A lot of people kind of showing up for Bloodline. Yeah. I think, which is nice. It's good. It's good. I don't have too much more, but um, do you have a couple of things from uh, quite a while ago? This will appeal to you. Uh, Salter Popcorn on Twitter. Not only did I catch up with the latest enjoyable minisode, I made that same mistake with another escape room, by the way. Oh, Christ. Um, but I also <laughs> finally caught up with the Johnny Mnemonic episode. Ah, so okay. So way, way back. Natasha Kamani? Somewhere in the region of episode 13 or so. Uh, yeah, with Natasha Kamani. Uh, uh, still one of my favourites. I really enjoyed that one. Only one more back episode until he's done the full set. And what's that? White of the Eye. Jackson oh, Stewart. okay. Um, which, I, again, I'm with episode 16 or so. Uh, so, again, uh, yeah, turning the clock way back. But, uh, yeah, thanks for doing that. Like, that's... Uh, Always really cool to hear when people finish the set. Good film, by the way. White of the Eye, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's great. Really, really good. Great choice. Great choice. And just one more from me, uh, just in general, and it's from Darren Gaskell uh, checking in again about Lord of Illusions. Sure, um, sure. Because obviously he'd seen the theatrical. Yeah. And I think was then going to be uh, looking into catching the director's cut because obviously when Jonathan Barkan came on and talked about that in episode 51, he dug in quite a bit about how the director's cut kind of effectively saves the film. Yeah, and we both watched the shoddily, let's say, shoddily crafted theatrical. Yeah, they're cobbled together, theatrical, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I also would like to get around to the director's cut. It's on the list. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Dan Gaskell, uh, following up on Lord of Illusions, I still think it doesn't all hang together perfectly, but it's a much more rewarding experience. Oh, and Famke Janssen. <laughs> He's uh, just got to get that Famke Janssen in there, doesn't he? Has to get that. He also can't fucking help himself. He, he also said, should say thanks for that in relation to Nodding Goth providing me with a copy of the movie. That was very nice of him. Uh, yeah, Nodding Goth, Dr. Lauren. Always nice when people Comes are... Full circle. Yeah, everybody helping each other out. Love it. Yeah. Uh, that's just about it for me for feedback, I think. Right, I don't have any more. In that case, yeah. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. Yes, I will. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will Photoshop out the title and the tagline, leaving only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and to give the film a title or synopsis based only on that image. We will, of course, also put the image on social media so people can join in. And on that subject, last week we had Squirm, which I uh, reappropriated as making a killing. <laughs> 
Um, a lot of people getting in touch with this one as well. So, Chris Salt, right. uh, Oblong Pictures on Twitter. No fancy made-up nonsense from me this time. It's clearly Giovanni Avago's Labero de Osa e Budea Che Sogne Le Donne, a.k.a. the Skullguts tree that dreams of women. <laughs> that may actually be a proper translation. Yeah, I would say that that probably yeah. is. Yeah, it, um, yeah, it's pretty strong. Um, it's pretty strong. Uh, however, I don't know if there's like a literal direct translation for Skullguts Tree. <laughs> that's my uh, yeah, that's a personal favourite of mine. Uh, uh, Hanny underscore Ray, you best hope the apple falls far from the tree in 1972's Grim Roots. Oh, Kevin Matthews on Facebook. Okay, you've had snakes on a plane. You've had snakes on a train. Now get ready for snakes on the brain in this sci-fi horror movie that started life as an X-Files script by Glenn Morgan <laughs> and James Wong about genetically engineered snakes that dive into a human host and try to assimilate themselves in everyday human life. When Steve McGuffin starts to wonder why his roommate, Patrick Wilpatrick, suddenly has extra wiggly hips and a growing lisp, he cannot even begin to suspect that Patrick's body is now host to a dozen snakes wearing his skin like a bloody shell suit. Well, Patrick sits around and enjoys watching the likes of Cobra, Black Adder, Monty Python and Anaconda... Steve continues to secretly run his tests to find out just why his friend has changed. The snakes sense danger, and one in particular thinks it may be best to take Steve out of the picture, but other innocents die first, swallowed up by Patrick, aka Mr. Patty Snake. First goes Monica, then it's Erica, then Rita, Tina, and Sandra. Do you see where he's going with this? I do. Will Steve stay alive? Or will he be a victim of the most dangerous snake of them all? Mamba number five. <laughs> I knew it was coming, but I was so happy to hear it. It's, it's truly remarkable. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so pleased with that. I'm just going to say at this juncture, whatever comes next is going to have to go some way to beating that. Certainly. So, Andrew Marshall, semi-pro geek, uh, okay. bringing some strong character name game to the table here. Young lovers Cassandra Asunder and, <laughs> and Charlotte Overhaul. <laughs> Must, uh, must undertake their own path through hell to save their friends. But there are no secrets from the all-seeing eyes of the underworld. Can the girls rescue their classmates from damnation when the cost may be their own souls? The high school drama club of Treachery, Ohio attempt to stage an adaptation of Dante's Inferno when an eldritch thunderstorm summoned by Indiana Warlock, Who's Your Daddy? Releases tortured wraiths from the abyss into the bodies of teenagers portraying them. Banned for years due to its graphic sex and violence, the erotic supernatural horror was re-released in 1995 in cut form as Nine Lives. But nothing can compare to the explicit carnality of 1981's Circles of Sin. Oh. So, um, pretty elaborate stuff going on there. Uh, Tony Constantinou next up. (laughs) Okay. When the Lovecraft Estate's pacifist groundskeeper Manuel Handling... (laughs) discovers blood seeping from the sinister tree in the centre of the family crypt, he contacts his online gaming enthusiast best friend and amateur tremonologist Jack Lumber to help investigate the strange <laughs> phenomenon. But Jesus. But just as Jack begins to get to the root of the problem, uh, sure. <laughs> lightning strikes the tree, which announces the corpse of HP's talentless and deeply resentful... Are you okay, man? She's been behind that episode. <laughs> Lightning strikes the tree, which unearths the corpse of HP's talentless and deeply resentful cousin, Billy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> now, as a lifetime of Billy Joe's unpublished, ill-conceived, and largely derivative ideas begin to corporeally manifest themselves in the love crypt, Manuel and Jack must take up arms to battle these poorly realized forces of darkness and restore order to the ensuing chaos in Brian Usna's Roots of Trevil. <laughs> The curse of BJ Lovecraft. <laughs> Make Lovecraft, not Warcraft. 
sure. I'm always worried whenever anyone starts talking about H.P. Lovecraft that it might get a little bit racist. Uh, no, we managed to <laughs> just stick with that, thankfully. Phew! Anymore? Uh, that's your lot. I want to actually, I want to give a shout out to Andy McEwen, who got in touch on Facebook with something that was just incredibly long. <laughs> Like it was like I would encourage everybody to go on Facebook and read it, but it's genuinely about four paragraphs. Okay, but uh, it's a, but it's a, but it's like a treatment, and it's a really good story. <laughs> so I, it's too, like it's, like it needs an episode to itself. Send it the shit to no sleep. But, but yeah, send it to no sleep, definitely. Uh, but yes, uh, that's a lot for this week. Okay. Ah. Oh. Ooh, um. Yeah. I'm. I've. I'm got to give it to Kevin Matthews. Uh, Mamba number five. Mamba number five. <laughs> yeah, that's reasonable. Um. Best character name this week. Oh. Uh, so we've got um, Cassandra uh, Sunder. Cassandra Sunder. Yeah. Sammy Pro Geek on Twitter. <laughs> yep, that's fine. Happy with that. Congratulations, Kevin and Andrew. You win nothing. nothing. Big fat nothing. So, so to business. Yep, that's coming through now. Okay. Yep. Um, so pretty simple image, really. Well, yeah, sure, you know, but... there's some pretty interesting stuff going on, but like in terms of like, it's not that busy. No, 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 no. There's one. I guess there's one kind of key image worth mentioning. Although I'm, I'm sure you probably want to touch quickly on the background. Uh, the background is almost entirely black, <laughs> apart from the presumably uh, flat surface that this uh, baby's bottle is uh, standing up on. Sure. So it's a baby's bottle, uh, just kind of like a standard issue, one of those. Um, apart from the fact that there is not milk inside the bottle, there is some kind of liquid that is clear, and also a little green man. <laughs> he is uh, putting one long five-fingered hand upon the glass. He is green and has uh, beady eyes on like kind of opposite sides of his head, quite far apart. Um, a kind of snout-like nose and what looks like kind of fangs. Okay. That are uh, kind of sort of like kind of in the shadows of the image. Uh, it seems to have like a whole load of like it's, I can't really see. It's either like this very weirdly shaped rib cage or loads of tiny tendrils. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Like I like to say, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else really jumping out at me there. Yeah. Nothing too contentious. Uh, so I'll just need a moment. Yeah. such a productive day. No, you're not. <laughs> Home, quick wank, sleep. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Moving swiftly on. Do you have something? Uh, yeah, I think just about there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> After months of trying for a baby with no luck, newlyweds Nicole and Leander Wellesley resort to <laughs> desperate measures when Leander is diagnosed with lethargic sperm. Buying a romantic assistance elixir from a roadside stall... <laughs> They're thrilled to discover that the potion works almost instantly. However, every advance comes at a cost. Nicole is unaware that the thing growing inside her is not what she thinks, and that nine months from now, the lives of Nicole, Leander, and the rest of their small town will never be the same. What was in the potion, and where did it come from? Find out in 1991's grotesque horror comedy, Astro Babies. (laughs) You weren't expecting aliens, were you? That sounded like a kid's film. Uh, most definitely is though. It's not. It's not. Yeah, I, I don't think lethargic sperm features heavily in most kids' films. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, uh, no, uh, it's not Astro Babies. Sadly, quite what? sadly, because uh, I, I really liked the the synopsis for that one. Mm-hmm, thank uh, you. Yeah, we are going back to 1987. Okay, I was uh, only four years out. Yeah, 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 not bad. And it's uh, the Kindred. The Kindred. Okay, yeah. tell me uh, a little more about that one. I just want to say as well, this is not 
by any of our recognisable IMDb regulars. Oh, our our, uh, our synopsisizer team. Yep, sadly, <laughs> our team of intrepid synopsis writers. Uh, <laughs> they are not. They are not in our employ. Just for they, No, they're not. No, they are uh, just people doing the Lord's work. Yeah, exactly. Out there putting the hours in. So the kindred. The kindred. Synopsisize me. A geneticist takes his assistants to his old family home to locate the deadly product of his late mother's revolutionary research into rapid human evolution. His monstrous tentacled baby brother. Before wow. a mad scientist gets Heck. to him first. Oh, cool. Okay. Have you seen this? Yeah. Is oh, I. Uh, <laughs> not massive. I mean, like, it sounds shite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's rocking a pretty healthy 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, that's not bad. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Okay, um, uh, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is everywhere, so you know what to do. Yes. Uh, yeah, get in touch. Let us know uh, your own ideas for this one. <laughs> I get the impression we're going to have some good ones. I'm feeling good about it. Me too. So, uh, anything going on horror news-wise this week you want to get into? A couple of wee things okay. I did want to touch on. So this episode will be, will be released on Monday. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to it, it's probably already happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the trailer for Rob Zombie's Three from Hell... I believe, is coming out today, Monday. Uh, yes, we got a shout about this on Twitter from uh, Alexis, Cosmic Ray Girl. Yes. Uh, she flagged this up, and yeah, I, I did see that this was doing the rounds. So we've talked about Rob Zombie quite a bit on the show. Never done one of his films, but we have talked uh-huh. about his work quite a bit. And yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit cold. I, I always feel like I really want to love Rob Zombie's films, because uh-huh. I love his music and a lot of his kind of imagery and stuff like that. But a lot of the time, I can't kind of dig out the same devotion to uh, his films. Mm-hmm. But I think that if there was any of the stories that he's done so far that he was going to revisit, then I'm glad it's this one. I'm glad it's uh, House for Thousand Corpses, Devil Re- Devil's Rejects. You know, it's like um, the the Firefly, the Firefly family. family. I suppose. Yes, yeah. exactly. I think that like um, yeah, if there was anything that he'd done already that I would be excited to see more of, it was this. Right. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the trailer. I'm really looking forward to checking it out. Um, I'm hoping that we'll maybe see it at Fright Fest this year. That would be right, great. Okay. I'd really mm-hmm. like to see that. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Where mm-hmm. are you on the uh, anticipation scale for this? <clears throat> Higher than I have been for anything of his for a while. Yeah, that's true. I will say. I was fairly ambivalent on 31. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that if Richard Brake wasn't in there, that film wouldn't work at all. Yeah, and I, I have a complicated relationship with Halloween and Halloween 2. Mm, uh, my relationship with that is very uncomplicated because I haven't watched them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, I have a similar relationship with Lords of Salem. I always feel like I owe Lords of Salem a second watch. Yeah. I haven't seen it since I saw it at Freyfest Glasgow. I um, watched that again fairly recently. And uh, I liked it a lot more than I liked it when I saw it at Glasgow Fright Fest. I think that I went into it um, at the festival screening. Um, I went in on the assumption that it was going to be, when you read about it, you know, it's like, oh, summoning witches by playing a record backwards. You assume it's going to be this kind of over-the-top fun thing. And I think that part of the reason why I was cold on it was that it wasn't that. Yeah. Um, which is entirely my problem and not his. Uh-huh. So I kind of feel like over the past six years, I've kind of looked at it being like, I really need to make time to just try that again. Now that a little bit of time has kind of there's been a little bit of time between my expectations and my experience mm-hmm. um so yeah i've always wanted to revisit i maybe will make time but three from hell i'm definitely looking forward to yeah what i will say about lords of salem is i, th- I definitely think it's rob zombie's most filmmakery film ah yeah, i hear you yeah i know what you mean for me it's his best made film yeah i think that's fair i i, I think i think that like i certainly remember like enjoying it from like from that angle i think you know uh yeah but there's so the trailer for that will be out by now we would imagine or if uh depending on when you listen to this but certainly it's out monday i've got one more thing that kind of tweaked my interest this this week okay i don't know if you've seen the front cover of the new fangoria Oh, uh, no. It's got Midsummer on the front cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's Jordan Peele interviewing Ari Aster. 
Okay. And there was a quote that kind of made its way around all the kind of horror websites and blogs and stuff like that. Jordan Peele apparently says Ari Aster's Midsummer features the most atrociously disturbing imagery he's ever seen on film. Oh my god. I mean, I, I am buzzing for Midsummer. I, I can't I, wait. I'm so excited to see it. And yeah, I, I, I did see that quote. I didn't realise that that was what it was from. Yeah. But I did see that during the round. Um, also, it came out this week that um, Midsummer is two hours and 20 minutes long as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm fine with that i'm on board yeah i mean i'm ready i was to, on board anyway i'm ready to strap in it's one of those things though it's like i'm gonna choose very carefully when i go see it and stuff like that like i was really lucky when i went to see hereditary i had a really good in cinema experience for that because obviously i think that like that film benefits from silence i think you need to go super early don't fuck about wait until the cinema's going to be busy yeah get yourself down there for the first show on a sunday morning yeah, uh-huh. I yeah. Got, like uh, like my like my like t- optimal cinema going time is like ten thirty in the morning on a weekday. <laughs> um, so if I'm in a position to do that, then I definitely will. No, I'm very excited for this, and not too long to wait. I don't think either. No, no, no only a few weeks. July the fifth, I think it's out. Pretty good. Um, pretty good wee time for a uh, theatrical horror, actually, because obviously, like, uh, yeah, you've got Ma doing the rounds right mm-hmm. now, and uh, June twenty first, you got the Child's Play reboot as well. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, which yeah. that's crept up, hasn't it? Fucking hell! Uh, yeah, yeah, and then after that, straight into midsummer. So, uh, yeah, loads of stuff to look forward to at the moment. Oh, did you also see the the Midsummer poster they put out the other day? Oh, the, the fake one? festival lineup. Yeah. Yes, so cool. <laughs> that was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's probably it's probably my most anticipated horror of the year, I would say. I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff coming out this year. Some of which we've been talking about with Graham, like Bliss and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. loads of things that I'm looking forward to this year, but I yeah, nothing's really matching Midsummer on the hype train for me at the moment. Yeah, certainly in, in terms of things that are probably going to get a big wide release. Oh, definitely, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a uh, quick look at the streaming platforms this week. So, Shudder. Not sure what's coming uh, to UK Shudder at the moment, but uh, some good stuff has been added lately. Yeah, some stuff's been added over the past few days. Last week we spoke about Visitations. Uh, yeah, the podcast. Yeah, Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah's podcast. That's all there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a couple other things added I saw. Yeah, the um, the Fright Fest Presents title, Boar, is out there. Um, also... That's uh, about a big killer pig, if anybody can't figure it out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's B-O-A-R, <laughs> just, just, just for clarity. Um, and uh, heading back a few years as well uh, for Brandon Cronenberg's Antiviral. Love it. Really, really good film. I really like it as well. My film Dysmorphia played before Antiviral at a screening and a woman fainted during my film. I remember this. I remember yeah, talking this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also back to 2014 for um, a very fun, exceedingly daft and exceedingly offensive sequel, Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead. Also brilliant. Yes, yeah. yes. Loads Excellent. of fun. Slim Pickens on Netflix this week. Although the 14th of June you've got The Third Eye 2. It's Asian horror, Indonesian specifically. Uh, the uh, synopsis there is working in an orphanage. Alia meets teen Nadia who says she hears a strange voice in the walls. When they try to find the source, things go very wrong. Sure. Just um, don't go looking. Yeah, just don't go looking. Now TV, not too much going on. 14th of June you've got Venom. Okay. That's yeah, about that. Yeah, Venom's okay. Yeah, so if you want to take that out. Um, <laughs> I had a good time with Venom. However, my pick of the week okay. uh, is on Amazon Prime. Right. 14th of June, Too Old to Die Young. Ah, this is a series, 10 episodes, approximately 90 minutes each. Yeah, this is Nick Windenreffen's series. Nick Windenreffen's series for Amazon Prime. So the director of The Neon Demon, Drive, Bronson, Valhalla Rising, Only God Forgives. Getting a miniseries. Well, yes. I'm going to say a miniseries, 10 episodes. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Windenreffen's show explores the criminal underbelly of Los Angeles, charting the existential journey of several characters as they transform from killers to samurais. Starring Miles Teller, John Hawks, Jenna Malone and William Baldwin... Thrillers co-written by Ed Brubaker, who wrote Captain America, Winter yep. Soldier, and uh, Westworld, and comprises, like say, 10 episodes, an hour and a half each. Can't wait. So, yeah, I think it sounds great. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, like, I'm a big fan of his stuff anyway. Yeah, I think that some of this, or maybe all of it, played at Cannes. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Can't have been all of it, surely. 15 hours. Fuck knows that. Yeah, but that's your lot. Um, so, some a decent amount of stuff to you if you're getting stuck into there. Like I say, uh, and also some pretty good stuff in theatres as well. Yeah, so. fire away. Get, yeah. get about it, get involved. Yeah, no shortage of good things. No. So, let's take a look at what's going on this week. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. No guest. Just us. Just us. The streak ends once yeah. again. The streak ends with an unfortunate cancellation. <laughs> However, Andy and Mitch episodes are fun. They are, yes. And I'm going to pick something fun. Well, I was going to say, on the turn-based system, I believe that it is, once again, uh, your go. <laughs> uh, yeah, something that I love uh, that might be considered shite. Okay. Demon Wind. Oh! <laughs> let's do Demon Wind. Yes, let's do Demon Wind. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's a great show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm introduced to us by um, uh, John McPhail. Yes. Demon Wind. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Let's talk Demon Wind. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, sweet. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm. This is this is the most excited I've ever been for an Andy vs. Mitch episode. <laughs> also, Demon Wind's everywhere. It's super accessible. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, go yeah. get it watched. Uh, I think yeah. it's on Shudder as well. Oh, cool. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Demon Wind. Yeah, the world is your Demon Wind oyster. Go f- <laughs> uh, go forth and multiply. Um, we are back then. Andy versus Mitch. We're talking Demon Wind. How are you feeling about this? Get in touch. Facebook and Instagram. We're Strong Language Violent Scenes. Twitter at Strong Violent PC. And you can also email us at stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. Yes, you can. Yep, that's right. And if you're wanting to listen to us, I don't think I need to do the whole list anymore. I don't think you do either. But what I will say is that you can find us on Spotify mm-hmm. and at our home in Podbean. Yep. And just about everywhere else. Yes. Yep. We are everywhere. But wherever you're listening, please, as we always say, just give us a little bit of love, give us a review, give us a like, give us a follow, whatever the hell it yeah. is. But crucially, keep listening, and thank you again for listening to this waffle, this yes. drivel, some might call it, Mitch. Some may, some, some do. Yeah, some do, yeah, absolutely. But they're still, uh, at least they've listened enough to know that it's drivel. Yeah, exactly, that's fine. <laughs> that's one download. <laughs> We already have your non-existent money. <laughs> Yay! But uh, yeah, seriously, thanks everybody for listening, and we will be back on Friday. We sure will. Join us then if you can, and in the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Adios. Spanish. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 